12 rules. All right. Hello. Um, anything to say before we uh, we begin? Well, I just want to get it on record that I'm having to record this for the second time because apparently I was too aggressive in the last episode. You were so aggressive. <laughs> you just... <laughs> you were... You were... I, I have... I'm turning it I down, have... all right. I'm turning it down. You're turning it down. Yeah. Hello. Welcome to 12 Rules for What. My name is Sam. As ever, I'm joined by... Alex. Hello. How you doing, Alex? I'm good. I'm good. It's Monday. It's raining. Yeah. It's May. It's May, yeah. It's, and it's also really breezy here. We have a we have a crowdfunder and out for the new dog section press uh, book, which is coming out in about a month, called Person Internet Far Right. It's our first ever book. It's our debut to the discourse, you know, in book form. In so book, form, book form, book form, yeah. We've been discoursing on podcast form and some articles for a while. And even discoursing on Discord, which you can get into if you sign up to our Patreon. Alex is completely fine. We are doing a crowdfunder. But I think crowdfunder is almost the wrong name. Basically, it's a pre-sale. You can just buy the book. Spend 10 quid on the book. That's a book price. <laughs> and then you'll get a book. So I feel like it's just a crowdfunder is a slightly misnamed thing here. And that's not the only thing that you can do. So you can get 10 quid on a book. All right. One book. 20 quid. Two books. 10 quid, one book. That's our book. 12 rules for what? Post-internet far right. Our contribution, as Alex said, to the Discord. Just discourse, discourse. I'm so Discord-brained at the moment, sorry. 20 quid, two books. Our book and abolishing the police. 30 quid, I know what you're saying. Three quid, th- three, three quid, three books. Post-internet far right, our book. And also abolishing the police and also make Rajava green again, which is a great book, obviously. Uh, about the thing it says in its title. 40 quid will get you our book, and you're thinking, ah, oh, three more books, but you're wrong. <laughs> it will not get you that. It will get you our book and an ACAB kitty too. So this is like really great design for a t-shirt, uh, which is a, a little cat painting an ACAB sign <laughs> yeah. on the t-shirt. That's 40 quid. Our book and that. I know you hate this, Alex. I know you hate it. In some ways, I hate it too, but also we got to see this. We got to get through. No, look, the thing is, I can see you on camera. You've got a glint in your eyes. Okay. <laughs> 50 okay. quid. 50 quid. Oh, what, mo- what, what, what do you think you can get at 50 quid, Alex? Is it our book and four more books? No. It's our book. The t shirt I just showed you, told you about, the, uh, the one with the ACAV kitty on the front. And then also a tote bag with the circled anarchist A and everything for everyone at the bottom and solidarity, not charity. Two great anarchist slogans. Um, so that's all the rewards you can possibly get. With this. So in some ways, it's not really a crowdfunder. In some ways, it's just a pre-sale. Uh, if you want to be involved in that, if you want to get a limited edition early copy of our book, then you can go into the um, link for in the show notes and yeah, uh, sign up with however much you feel uh you can. So um, you're thinking, okay, you sold me a book, but what is that book? Okay, well, that's what's going to happen for the rest of the episode. I am going to listen to, I'm going to listen to, I'm going to read out a uh, section from the book called The Street, which is about the way in which the far right contests physical space, that the importance of physical space in, in the contemporary far right, and it's changing position as the internet changes as well. So as the internet becomes a kind of parallel public space, we're thinking about the way in which the 
street changes kind of like position it's uh it's it's importance still very important but not in the same way so have a listen to that excerpt and then after that i'm going to give you a rundown of the overall structure of the book i'm going to read you part from uh about, about the street the street the swarm and the bedroom fascism has always extolled action Specifically, it has idealised a vitality that is demonstrated in public space, although, like any radical ideology, it is also dabbled in secrecy. This action is necessarily carried out by real bodies in conflict with the forces that would constrain them, communists, anti-fascists, or the state. In interwar fascism, urban space was central. The metropolitan street was simultaneously a site of commerce, politics, and social life. Control of the street, therefore, meant an imposition of will onto this social life. Though Mussolini came to power through technically legal means, codified in the Italian constitution, the march on Rome in October 1922 solidified what had already become evident. Mussolini was in charge. Fascism has relied on the physical occupation of the street precisely because it was associated with untrammeled public power. Fascists want to make their superiority unmistakable. Online, power is fakeable. Hacking, trolling, swarming are the tactics of actors who have no right to be as powerful as they are. On the alt-right, this asymmetrical potency led the movement a sense of insurgency, but it wasn't enough. Despite the internet, an extension and blurring of public and private space, there remained a pervasive feeling that the street and the ability to exert a will within it imbued a movement with legitimacy. The street, however, is a risky space in which doxing, being punched in the head, boredom and arrest are all possible. The power of the digital swarm lies in its capacity for sudden anonymous mass action online, raiding a Discord server, publishing the dress of a journalist, making a particular meme or phrase trend across a global platform, saturating a comment section with racist invective, and to do all this in relative individual safety. As discussed previously, these are a far cry from taking over the power of the state, but they are not trivial capacities. On the street, this safety is stripped away. As if to fulfil for the umpteenth time in the post-war period Marx's evergreen tragedy farce dyad, the swarm of chapter 4 has been somewhat less successful when it manifests on the street. Unfamiliar with conventional political action, they've been beset by the same problems that previous generations had also faced. Anime avatars are replaced with people who, for a time, lose their collective ability to endlessly reproduce content, harass and overwhelm, and exaggerate their numbers. Tedious practical considerations of travel and accommodation combine with the undeniable control the state has over most physical space, as well as determined physical opposition of anti-fascists. By becoming corporeal, activity within the movement loses its appeal. These movements remain, for all their failures, just as murderous in intention. Gone, for the most part, are the fascist masses, the fascist crowds. Fascism without a homogenous mass is an unusual formation, fascism without leaders even more so. 
No longer do thousands of uniformed men march in formation through the streets, although exceptions exist, such as the Indian RSS and in Greece, where the now broadly defunct Golden Dawn attempted to reclaim the classical fascist imagery of the street. Largely, however, the imposition of a single aesthetic has failed. In the UK, there has long been a ban on political uniforms. The fascists at Charlottesville were heterogeneous to the point of aesthetic chaos. This change can be linked to the distribution of stunt propaganda, where in the past, the mass was displayed in propaganda films distributed by the fascist party, for example, Riefenstahl's Triumph of the Will. Now only spectacles of disorder and chaos are gripping enough to be reliably propagated through the network. This means that a certain kind of aesthetic heterogeneity is a necessary part of the swarm. If political uniforms and marching in formation are less and less achievable, though not gone entirely, far-right crowds are astonishingly homogenous in other ways. This focus on the look of fascism is not trivial. In fascism, the appearance of order as such can take precedence over the character of this order. As we will detail in the following chapter, However, in internet aesthetics, order and chaos are intertwined. So that's the introduction section to the street chapter. In that chapter, we talk about a whole bunch of street movements, uh, mostly focused on the UK and the US. So that's things like the EDL, the DFLA, statue defender protests that happened in 2020 um, in the UK. And it's things like um, the Charlottesville march, um, the uh, Carl Rittenhouse uh, episode in the kind of anti-BLM period and then of course um, the riot at the Capitol in early 2021. So I think Alex mentioned this earlier but we did do another episode about six or seven months ago on this book. If you want to go and have a listen to that I really recommend it. I thought it was a great discussion. It's called Post-Internet Far Right. Post-Internet is hyphenated uh, and it was at the London Anarchist Book Fair 2020. It's also episode 26, if that's an easy way to find it in the archive. I will just give you a very brief summary of what the book contains now. So we start with fascists' feelings, which I guess is a contentious place to start, but I think it's really crucial to grasp the emotional landscape out of which these movements emerge. We talk about misogyny, we talk about pornography, we talk about transphobia in that online context. Then the next chapter is about metapolitics, which is the names are kind of a broad set of tactics that the far right uses in order to spread their ideas. So metapolitics just means above politics. It means that there's a kind of a cultural transformation that is affected in order to influence politics. And we discuss in that chapter whether or not we think that it's a viable way of understanding the far right's politics in a kind of cohesive way. It's often claimed as if it is this cohesive thing, um, but I think there's a lot of post hoc justification going on there. Um, so we did talk about that in that chapter. The most important way in which the far right uses ideas to transform politics is probably through the spread of conspiracy theories. And so the next chapter in the book is about that. We talk about QAnon, we talk about white extinction theories, and so on and so on. Then the next chapter after that is about swarm and influencer. So the swarm is this kind of massively heterogeneous, chaotic collection of people who participate in hugely varied ways across the far right in order to um, spread its messages. And the influencers are people who make essentially a kind of a living out of doing that. And we talk about the economics of their relationship the fractiousness of their relationship and this is one of the really important places where anti-fascists need to be intervening because it's really in between the swarm who have this 
urge, I guess, continuously to radicalise their influencers and the influencers themselves who can't really go too far because of the restrictions of platforms by and large. And they definitely can't monetize their performance if they go really, really far. It's really in the tensions between these two sets of groups that anti-fascists can have quite a lot of influence, I think. Once we're done with that binary and its tensions and complications, we go on to the far-right intellectuals. That's a hugely broad collection of people. We talk about where they get their ideas from and we talk about how they use their ideas in their politics and also how they don't use their ideas in the politics, how the ideas become superfluous or like a weapon or something like this. Then the next section after that is about the street, which I just read a section from. It's talking about how the swarm influencer dynamics play out when they arrive in physical space and about how the far right's cult of action has transformed in the contemporary world. And the next section is about new organisational forms, where this complexity about how action works becomes kind of institutionalised. So you get groups like Generation Identity, other identitarian movements and so on, who try and deploy stunt making and so on in order to break through what they see, and I think they're you know, not entirely wrong about this, the kind of stultifying normalcy and boredom and so on of you know, neoliberal cities. And they use that as a kind of cult of action as well. But they also, and this is more important, they also manage to sustain the interests of people on the far right for much longer than the sporadic and almost kind of spasmodic transformations of the swarm who we talked about earlier. Then the next thing we talk about is deadly violence, which is, of course, a major part of the far right. It's one of the things it's most infamous for. Uh, it's one of the most important parts of the way that the far right reproduces itself. But terroristic violence is also in antagonism with everything else that happens on the far right. And so we talk about that antagonism as well. The next thing we talk about is the conditions under which, and this is the really horrifying thing, I think, the conditions under which it's possible that that antagonism between terrorism and these new organisational forms or party politics on the far right might lessen. So no longer would we understand and the no longer we understand killing as completely distinct from or completely anathema to the reproduction of the wider far right. And that's in the context of ecofascism. If ecofascism is something you think is particularly interesting, then you can go back and have a listen to our episode with Bidesh Dadmai. That was a few days back. And there's also our episode with Bernard Fortner, uh, which I think comes under a Christmas special. Uh, yeah. Then we talk about, as we mentioned earlier in the conclusion, anti fascist organizations. And these are some of the most uh, difficult parts to write, and they were some of them, I think, probably the most contentious, but it's a good faith attempt to understand the ways in which the far right can be countered by the development of new forms of anti-fascist organisation. We try and learn from the anti-fascist movement's history, from its mistakes, and also from its many successes. So that's a summary of the book. Um, the fundraiser is open for four weeks, so if you do want to donate and you can't donate right now, that's totally, obviously, fine. Um, thanks a lot for listening to me talk about this and also for donating if you choose to do so. I know it would mean a great deal to Alex and it would mean a lot to me as well. So thank you very much and I'll see you very soon. 12 rules. 12 rules.